Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. Last week, we talked about the 1976 New England Patriots, one of the best teams from the 1970s that did not play in the Super Bowl. Now we have another team from 1976 that also did not reach the Super Bowl, but are considered one of the best teams of the 1970s. That would be the 1976 Pittsburgh Steelers. The 1976 season got off to an excellent start for the defending Super Bowl champions. Or so it seemed. Victory seemed to be in the bag when the Steelers sprinted out to a comfortable fourth-quarter lead, 28-14, against the Oakland Raiders. But the Raiders staged a furious comeback, scoring 17 unanswered points to win the game 31-28. Things seemed to be back to normal the following week when Pittsburgh scored an easy 31-14 win over the Cleveland Browns. But the Steelers then went on a three-game losing skid. To make matters worse, starting quarterback Terry Bradshaw suffered an injury in the fifth game. One more loss, and the one and four Steelers could kiss the playoffs goodbye. How could a team that had won consecutive Super Bowls be facing dire straits? Some thought the team was still suffering a hangover, from their hard-fought victory over the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl. But one thing was for sure, the 1976 team had lost four games to excellent teams, Oakland, Minnesota, New England, and Cleveland. Oakland would go on to win the Super Bowl that year, and Minnesota won the NFC Championship. New England went 11-3 and qualified for the playoffs, and Cleveland finished with nine wins and five losses. And quality opponents didn't end with that bunch. Dating back to mid-December of 1975, excluding preseason games, through mid-October of 1976, the Steelers had played 11 straight games against high-caliber teams. Pittsburgh won seven of those 11 games losing the other four by an average of only five points a game. Still, the cost is a huge part of the story. Playing top-notch teams week after week exacts a physical and mental toll. And now these Steelers had their collective backs against the wall. At one and four, they had to beat the next team up. The four and one Cincinnati Bengals, and they did. 
Important as that win was, it's not the big story of the Steelers' 1976 season. The Steelers not only won that game, but they also went on to beat every other team on the regular season schedule, converting a 1-4 start into a 10-4 finish. Here's how they did it. Pittsburgh followed the Bengals' win with a trio of shutouts. The Giants, 27-0. The Chargers, with Bradshaw back at quarterback, 23-0. And the Chiefs, 45-0. In the next game, Pittsburgh almost made it four shutouts in a row when the Dolphins went down 14-3. Counting the Bengals game, the Steelers had not allowed a touchdown in five games, and the Steel Curtain had allowed only three field goals during that span. The Steelers were not only back, but better than ever. The shutout string ended in Week 11, but the Steelers still managed to double the score against the Oilers, 32-16. And that win set up a do-or-die showdown with the division-leading Cincinnati Bengals. Because the Steelers started 1-4, the division lead over Pittsburgh would have grown to three games had Cincinnati won the game. The result? Cincinnati would clinch the division and the Steelers would drop into third place behind the 8-4 Cleveland Browns, a team that had won earlier that day. The game was played at Riverfront Stadium on a cold, snowy day, and not surprisingly, it was a hard-hitting defensive battle. The Bengals took a 3-0 lead on a first-quarter field goal, and that lead held into the third quarter when Franco Harris scored from four yards out. Pittsburgh's four-point lead, 7-3, was enough to grab the win, mainly because the Steel Curtain defense held the Cincinnati offense to just 225 total yards and forced two turnovers. That was the good news for Steelers fans. The bad news is that the Bengals still held the division lead which meant Pittsburgh remained with its back to the wall. To respond, the team did what it had done before, throw shutouts. This time, consecutive shutouts against Tampa Bay in Week 13, and then in Week 14, Houston, to close out the regular season. Both wins came by way of blowouts, too, to the tune of 63-0 total scores. Winning was necessary, but still not sufficient. The Bengals still held a one-game division lead going into their Week 13 Monday night game against the Raiders. Pittsburgh needed Cincinnati to lose that game because winning the division was likely the only way the Steelers would get into the playoffs. That's because three other teams were in the race with the Steelers for a wild card berth. The Patriots and Colts both stood at 10-3, and, and Cleveland was 9-4. Winning the division was a sure way, and perhaps the only way, for the Steelers to get into the playoffs and defend their Super Bowl championship. Before the Monday night matchup between Oakland and Cincinnati, there was a lot of speculation that the Raiders 
who had already clinched their division, might deliberately lose to the Bengals, thereby giving the Steelers little hope of making the playoffs. How did the division and playoff race turn out? The Bengals lost to the Raiders 35-20 and then overpowered the lowly Jets 42-3 the following week. Meanwhile, the Steelers closed out the campaign by shutting out the Oilers. Ending the season tied for first place in the division, Pittsburgh held the tiebreaker because the Steelers won both times against the Bengals. It was a bitter pill to swallow for the Bengals, too. They not only lost the division title, but they also failed to capture the wildcard spot, which went to the Patriots. Now in the playoffs, the Steelers wanted to make the most of their good fortune, and they did. Despite facing the formidable 11-3 Baltimore Colts, Pittsburgh smashed the AFC East winner, 40-14, to score its 10th win in a row. Impressive as that was, perhaps even more impressive, was how the Steelers played during that streak winning games by an average score of 27-4. The 14-1 Oakland Raiders were up next in the AFC Championship game. The task, difficult enough as it was, became all the more challenging because Pittsburgh would have to play the game shorthanded. Both starting running backs Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer were injured against the Colts. The Steelers' 10-game winning streak ended that day as the Raiders walked away with a 24-7 victory. Some analysts and fans believe that the Steelers would have won if Franco and Rocky had played. Of course, that's speculative, and it might be wishful thinking, too. After all, it's not like the Raiders had never been able to contain the Steelers' running game. They held Harris and Blyer to 95 yards in the 1975 AFC Championship, and they held them to 87 yards in a 1977 regular season game. The Steelers are not the only team to have played a championship game without two of their best players. For comparison, in the 1973 NFC Championship game, the Cowboys played the Vikings without two top players, running back Calvin Hill and defensive lineman Bob Lilly. Dallas lost by 17 points, 27 to 10. Would the Cowboys have been more competitive if Hill and Lilly had played? Yes, most likely. Would the Cowboys have won? No, probably not. I feel the same way about the Steelers versus the Raiders. Besides, it's important to give Oakland its due. A week later, the Raiders dominated the Vikings in Super Bowl XI, winning 32-14. That said, let's also give credit to the 1976 Steelers, a team that came back from the brink to play in the AFC Championship game. But there's another chapter in the story. How does the 1976 team stack up against the other Steelers teams of the 1970s? Furthermore, was the 1976 team the best Steelers squad ever? I've heard that said. 
Pittsburgh lost five games in 1976, and they didn't play in the Super Bowl that season. I don't rank the 1976 team above the Steelers Super Bowl winners of that era. In my book, the 1976 Pittsburgh Steelers had perhaps the most impressive 10-game win streak in NFL history. But 10 games does not a season make. That concludes our podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. God bless. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.